0: Hey folks, Randy Newberg here with another episode of Leopold's Hunt Talk Radio. Uh, today is, I can't even remember the date, but we're in the middle of uh, coronavirus scare. So we are social distancing and doing some podcasts remotely as a result of that. So uh, today I have a guest who I've known him via email and my online forum, hunt talk for him for about five or six years, I think. And I got a chance to meet him this winter at the Pheasants Forever Pheasant Fest. Uh, Finally, we got to meet face-to-face and he's been doing some remarkable stuff. And I thought, you know what? With what Dean is doing... This would really be cool for the rest of the the audience to to know what it is that he and his, his group of volunteers are doing. And they have what's called Youth Activity Outdoor Day. And he started out doing it expecting, I don't know probably a 100 or 200 people, and now he's got a couple thousand people who show up. And I thought in today's world, <clears throat> we uh, could all use something a little bit to brighten our day about good stuff that's going on. And if someone is thinking about the idea of how could I get a bunch of younger people involved, uh... Dean has has kind of built a template for how you could do it, and he's very generous in his information and offers to help anybody who asks. Um, and so uh, it, it just, for me, it makes me feel good to know there are people like Dean Krebs and, and the group of people that he works with who have that much interest in the next generation of, of outdoor enthusiasts. So... Quick as I get done uh, telling you who makes this podcast possible, which is Leupold Optics, uh, go to leupold.com, check out all their stuff, uh, American Made. Um, yeah, great, great company. They do so much for so for so many of the things we love, leupold.com. And then we have Onyx Maps. Uh, their motto is, know where you stand. And again, think of a better motto that more aptly describes uh Maps, And if you buy their app product, use promo code Randy and it'll save you 20%. And then we have GoHunt. GoHunt.com. They have the insider program that we talk about with our tag application service. Again, use promo code Randy. They'll give you $50 of uh, store credit via a gift card uh, in their store. And you will have your name in the drawing for a Wyoming commissioner's tag. So... With that, uh, we've all got enough on our minds these days. I hope that you will uh, spend the next hour, hour and a half just relaxing, listening, and and thinking about how cool it is that there are people out there doing the things that Dean and his group is doing. So, When I hit the the button here, you are going to hear me and Dean connect. Hopefully, the, the technology allows us to do this. Thanks for being here. All right, folks. I told you that our guest today was going to be a unique guy who I've, I've known over the, the world of technology for quite a few years. He's been very active in our Hunt Talk forum, uh, but I got to meet him face-to-face in February when I was back in Minnesota. And uh, Dean, are you there? I am here. All right. Through the modern, the the unbelievable world of technology, Dean Krebs is able to join us on the other end. And like I said in the introduction, folks, this is something that's near and dear to my heart. And what Dean is doing with his friends and fellow volunteers over there in West Central Minnesota is remarkable. So, uh, Dean, thanks for taking the time today. Uh, I know you're busy like everyone else, um, but it's, it's, great to have you here. Oh, my pleasure. How are things uh, back in the Midwest right now? Is it still winter or is it spring?
1: You know, we're in that time period of we're kind of in between. So the lake ice is safe for now, but probably in a week, it's not going to be safe. So we're entering into that mud filled time period where every time you let the dog in, he tracks up the whole house. (laughs) <laughs>
0: yeah yesterday we were down by gardner montana just north of yellowstone park and we were filming some pieces about access and when we got down there it was 10 degrees fahrenheit and a blizzard and i'm like how can this be on march 17th but oh well it's that time of year but uh anyhow uh i'd given the the audience a little bit of a primer about what you've been doing, Dean, and, and I know you're one of these guys who's going to give the credit to everybody else, but I want to walk through the history of how Youth Outdoor Activity Day got started in Alexandria, Minnesota, Who, whose idea, how it, how it got here, and then uh, you've been a big proponent of making this something that could happen in other places of of North America or of the United States. Uh, so I want to use my podcast to uh, let people know about it. <clears throat> and hopefully uh, they'll get in touch with you or, or your group to say, how could we do that where we're at? Because you guys are making a huge, huge difference. And don't don't give me the, ah, shocks. oh, it's no big deal, Randy. It's a big deal, Dean. So uh, tell us a little bit about your group. Uh, or as formal or informal as it is And uh, how this came about And where it's, where it's
1: grown to Well, it started about six years ago And I am the, the president of the local Pheasants Forever chapter here And I uh, got involved with a, a local sportsman's group Like there are across the whole U.S. It's called Viking Sportsman And, and uh, I got with, involved with them too And there wasn't really a lot going on with youth in our community For an outdoor recreation standpoint so another guy and I kind of put our heads together and we said, you know, well, let, let's do uh, a youth outdoor activity day. And I had some experience doing this at another Pheasants Forever chapter. And and we put our heads together and that summer we did a lot of work and we put this thing on and we went and, and we'll talk about the model a little bit later. But um, we're wondering, you know, geez, if we get 50 kids to this, that'd be good. I was secretly thinking, let's get 100 kids to this and uh we got 542 kids to come to our first uh ever <laughs> event uh, well i guess what's
0: that they say uh, uh pray for the worst and hope for the best and you guys did more than the best if your goal was 50 and you got 500 <laughs> that's crazy yeah it
1: was it was crazy i mean they just kept coming in and You know, we learned a lot that first year. And I think the biggest thing that we learned is the need and the want for that type of event and for kids to, they want to learn about the outdoors. They want to take part in it. And, you know, some of the things we did really resonated with them and it just blew up from there. So that was, that was year one. By year four, we're over 2000 kids. And uh, this last year was, was uh, year six. And uh, we would have been at about 2,500 kids, but it rained, uh, and the forecast was rain for the whole week. We had a lot of no shows that had registered, so we're, you know, we're we're bouncing around that two to 2,500 kid platform, and it's really transformed over time. But it's it's really been rewarding to see how it does too. And for people who don't understand
0: Alexandria, Minnesota, we're not talking about a metropolitan area here. Uh,
1: no, no. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good point. So uh, we're about two, two and a half hours northwest of the Minneapolis area. Uh, our, our city is about 12 to 14,000 people. Uh, we're a, a lakes area. We've got a lot of tourism and a lot of lakes. I think there's 300 and some lakes in our county. And so we, we have a lot of tourism. People come up here to fish and, and that type of stuff in the mm-hmm. summer. And, and th- we that really, one of the things that really resonated with me was talking to the people who put on our casting activity at our first event. And it got done, and that person came up to me and said, We were appalled at the number of kids who did not know how to use a fishing pole. They, they were upside, you know, a spinning reel, upside down, backwards. Yeah. You've seen that, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We've all seen it. Yeah. And, and it's, it's crazy. So there are so many kids and this is from Lake's country. That's what we do here. And, you know, so it just, we just scratched our head and went, Oh my gosh. I mean, people had no clue how to start a fire. Mm-hmm. And if, if it's like that around here, you know, what is it when we get into more urban areas and that type of stuff? Um, it just, it just boggles my mind. Hmm. Well, the,
0: the track record is remarkable. And you sent me this mission statement, uh, and I'm going to read it. And if you got to tweak it uh, to give some context, feel free. But uh, you say, our mission is to guide, direct, encourage, and educate today's youth on outdoor activities while providing opportunities and building the next generation of outdoor enthusiasts. That's what yeah. you guys.
1: Yeah, it is. I mean, we, and we've really expanded it. So that's one of the things that we'll touch on here in a bit as well, is that, you know, having a one day event is good. It's great. We've been very successful, but it's not enough. And so we really, with our mission statement, we wanted to capture that is, is not only uh, one event but we really need to have multiple touch points with these kids. This is a great start, um, but this is really what drives us, and it's been so rewarding. You know, we've put a lot of work into it. We got yep. a committee now of about twenty people, and it keeps growing. People want to be involved with this thing. Cool. What? What is your? Just
0: people are probably wondering. Well, this must be Dean's full time job.
1: this is not dean's full-time job (laughs) i'm an engineer in real life and uh uh this i just do in my in my spare time and and you know you can get back to how did this originally start the very very first way this started was uh you met one of my sons uh the other day but i have twin boys are now 12 years old and Mm-hmm. and, uh, they're about five or six and they're, you know, we're an outdoors family, you know, we're, we're hunting and fishing all the time and stuff. And, and they're outside playing it was a beautiful day. And, uh, they came inside and one, of my, my sons had to go to the bathroom really bad. And, but the TV was on and it was like a magnet. He's running to go to the bathroom. And all of a sudden it was just like someone lassoed him and pulled him to that TV. Really? And I'm like, Oh my gosh. If my son is, that TV is having that effect on my son, you know, how about these people that aren't involved in the, in the outdoors? And so that was really the nexus. That was really the, the, the real key piece that I was like, we got to do something. Huh? <laughs> oh, that's very
0: interesting that, that something like that would be the, the light bulb event to say, you know what, I got to do something. Yeah, and The reason I, I say that uh, I tried to give some context of Alexandria not being a metropolitan area is to have 2,000 to 2,500 kids plus. So is that just the kids or is that the kids plus the family members?
1: Oh, no, no. That's just the kids. Uh, we pull from about a two to two and a half hour radius. And so we pull right down to that Minneapolis-St. Paul met- metro area a little bit. Uh-huh. Um we're getting about half of the kids in our school district to come to that. So our school district has got, oh, probably a little, around 3,000 uh, mm-hmm. kids in it. By the time you we're not, you know, our, our age is five to 12, five to 14-ish, somewhere in there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we're getting roughly, maybe just not quite half of those kids in our school district to, to come to this event. So we're pulling a lot of kids from outside and we've got, you know, demographics, we've studied that to death and we know where we're pulling kids from and, and, um, we're targeting kids in, in areas because of that. Wow. That's an amazing rate of
0: conversion or whatever you want to call it, penetration. And 50% of the kids in your school district are attending this event.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? So talk about the, the, the need and the want, they want to do it. Kids want to do this type of stuff. And so, you know, we maybe should touch a little bit about what is this? We've talked a little bit about what, you know, about how successful it is. So this is a family friendly uh, event that is completely free. And we'll touch on that in a minute here too. Um, but we have 45 roughly every year, plus or minus a couple different activities for kids to do. So they come and go at their own will whenever they want to. And they can do things like uh, archery and ATV rides and BB gun shooting and mountain biking. We've got a binocular scavenger hunt where they sit in one place and they look for things with their binoculars. They can bird build bird feeders and bring them home. They can do bowl fishing and set up a camping site. Uh, we've got this casting clinic where we give away um, fishing rods and they try and cast into a hula hoop or something. We got a climbing tower that's there. Uh, crossbow shooting, uh, dark house spearing, dog retrieving, how to build a fire, uh, first aid, wilderness, first aid. Um, and the list goes on and on. We've got a really neat one where we've got, um, one of the local guys who raises fish, uh, captures a bunch of rough fish and he puts them in a great big swimming pool and kids get to line up around the swimming pool and pick them up. They're carp and stuff like that. And they get yeah. to touch these fish. And everywhere kids go, there's a sign that says, do not touch. That's not Youth Outdoor Activity Day. We want kids to touch. And we want them to participate. And if you notice oh. about you know, just yeah. some of the things that I read off, yeah. they are every act is, activity is something that the kids do. This is, this is all about participation. Um, it's not a sports show. Nobody can sell anything there. We don't even take donations that day. You know what? We survive on donations, but that day is not about donations. We will not even accept it. If someone comes up to me and says, hey, this is great, I want to donate, call me tomorrow, go look at our website, but I'm not taking our donation today because it's not what it's about. <laughs> that is
0: Everything you're talking about, Dean, is kind of the contrary to what kids and families are exposed to today. You, yeah. you guys like the antithesis of the modern World of oh these are these are another business opportunity. It's you, you're kind of like nope not here. This is all about them.
1: Yeah. So what do they get when they come there? So we talked about yeah. the activities, but every kid gets a t-shirt, a youth outdoor activity day t-shirt. We feed everybody, parents included, lunch, and then we give out somewhere between four or five maybe even close to 6,000 pieces of sporting equipment like BB guns and bows and arrows and flashlights and, um, binoculars and the list Fishing goes on car. and on. Yeah. Fishing rods and reels. Yeah. Yes. So, um,
0: instantly someone's going to say who pays for that, who pays for that? hat.
1: So right. we survive on donations. So we go around to the local community. The community has been fantastic. So the, the two groups have put it on, uh, our members go out and we solicit donations to this. And it's, I don't want to say it's easy, but it's easy compared to getting a solicitation for, um, you know, like one of our banquets that we put on for a fundraising activity. When you say, this is what we're doing, and here's an example of what we've done in the past. Here's a, a YouTube video. Take a look at this. People are like, I want to be involved with that. And now we have people that I get calls throughout the year saying, you know, I've heard about your event. I want to be involved. And how can I help? And here's a check. And so it's been a lot easier than one would think uh, on on how to get this. And we've taken that money. We've um, and and really. Made very good use of it. We work hard. You know, we get vendors to do in kind stuff, uh, or give us you know pretty big discounts. And you know, we work hard all year long to get those donations so we can give out five thousand things to
0: kids. Wow, you, you gave me some some facts and some some data here before we got on on the podcast and uh, you were talking about the need for youth and family outdoor activities. And you you keep always saying family, family. Uh, And I like that because I do think that the likelihood of someone continuing in this outdoor life is way greater if it's a family activity rather than if it's just a one-off of, oh, drop your kid off here. Uh, We'll have them for two or three hours and come pick them up. Uh, And in that, you said that 48% of the number, I'm not sure, uh, maybe you can clarify more, did not recreate outdoors in 2019. That's 48% of families or kids or... Uh,
1: that's of Americans. So that was an outdoor foundation, uh, report. And, uh, it was actually on the hunt talk forum, that I saw that and yeah. I went and pulled the study up and took a look at it. 48% of Americans age six and over did not recreate outdoors even one time in 2019. And if yeah. you let that sink in that I I'm forward. I mean, I I've repeated that number to a number of people and they're like, you can't be right. What, what's the, you know, what's the kicker what's you know define that what what's recreate outdoors mean i went there's 42 different activities they call recreating on, outdoors and that would be hunting fishing jogging bird watching biking the list goes on biking whatever camping yeah yes I, you know my my
0: own personal observation and this is anecdotal but it causes me to wonder kind of like you were saying how can people who live in the lakes area of Alexandria, how how can there be kids who don't know how to use a fishing reel? Well, when my son was in grade school, his birthday is in May, and I told him, I said, for your birthday, let's go camping, you bring as many friends as we can fit in the vehicles, and we'll take them fishing. Well, I thought all the kids would show up and they'd know the things that you talked about. They'd know how a boat works. They'd know how to build a fire, how to roast marshmallows, make s'mores, whatever it is. And only two of the handful of kids, my son and one other, had ever done that. And I'm like, whoa, Bozeman, Montana, supposedly you know an outdoor epicenter. There are this many kids who've never camped in a tent? never slept overnight in a tent so it but the we would bring these kids and it became a waiting list the next year P- kids had see me mr newberg my great because i always told them if your grades aren't good you can't come with my grades are really good do i get to come with this year um and so they kind of outgrew that event by the time they're about 13 or 14 uh you know it wasn't cool anymore but I was blown away by how few kids got to do these things, even in a place where it's right here in our backyard. And so when you tell me that there's kids in places like you're at who don't know how to reuse a fishing reel, it doesn't quite surprise me as much as maybe it would have, if not for the personal experiences I've had here of trying to get kids in the outdoors, just you know, take them camping. Take them out to build the fire. Take them out to roast the marshmallow. <laughs> it sounds very basic, but those are the points where they get started. Yeah. They want to go. They do it. They it's do. It's just no knowing- giving them the opportunities
1: and there's a you know there's a uh, an outdoor recreation uh, participation model that's out there that you know there's a lot of work done on the it's called the r3 uh, recruitment retention reactivation arena and you yep. know our state agencies they're they're trying they they are trying to get kids involved um and they've they've looked at this model and there's you know there's a bunch of different stages but you know awareness is the first one hey do i even know what fishing is then interest. Geez, that sounds like kind of fun, you know. And then the trial stages, and those are really the first three that we hit, um, and do a pretty good job with our event. But then there's more to that. That you know, there's there's these uh, organizations on the state level are are trending to mentor activities and multiple touch points with the kids, and that's really a perfect progression for our model because, um, as we talked about a little bit, um, our model this event is just one piece of what we're trying to do and it's really the backbone and it's led us into these other things but um you know you mentioned the adult onset stuff we have some uh stations uh within our event that we tie these kids to their parents and the thinking is (laughs) if we get the parents to do it then the, the, the odds of it happening throughout the year are even more. So for archery, for example, we have a, a person standing in the, the line for archery, and I always pick a type A personality, someone who's really outgoing, and they go to a parent mm-hmm. and say, hey, will you shoot with your son or daughter? And then the answer we always get, of course, is no, 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 that's okay. No, no, we really want you to. In fact, if you do that, we'll give you a T-shirt. All you got to do is shoot with your son or daughter, we'll give you a T-shirt. And that usually gets them. And if it doesn't, then we really come up with the, with the clincher. And that is, well, Junior, if you can talk mom or dad into doing it, we'll give you a flashlight. And that, <laughs> 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 Boom. done. Oh. Uh, we do that with our trap shooting as well. We had 292 new-to-shooting uh, adults um, last year doing that. I mean, that's crazy. 292. <laughs> That is crazy.
0: You think about how hard it is to convert two or three people. You guys are doing two to you know almost three hundred people introducing them to a new shooting sport activity. Yep. Yep. That, 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 so. You and I have swapped emails on this stuff for a few years now, and every year when you send me the report, I'm like my goodness, that is, I wonder if Dean and his fellow volunteers understand how big of a difference they're making. And I know you do, but you're probably a little bit, I don't want to say numb to it, but it's just like, yeah, that's what we're, we set out to do. And for me, standing in the outside watching, it's like, all right, how do we let the world know what you guys are doing and how it can be replicated? And just give them the idea that this is possible. And even if it's not 2,000 kids, if it was 200 kids or 300 kids in their families, that's
1: huge. It is. And I think this model can be replicated anywhere. If we can do it here, you can do it anywhere. Um, and, And probably even close to the scale that we're doing it on. Um, there's a couple of of things we we feel are very important. And like I said, it's free. As soon as you start charging for something, even if it's $5, as soon as you start charging, you are going to lose a lot of the audience that you don't want to lose. So is this event set up for my kids who are already in in the outdoor activity arena? Hmm, It's great. Yeah, I want them there, but that's not my target audience. My target audience is a kid who doesn't get to do that. So every time I talk to somebody about this, I say, hey, yeah, bring, you know what, find a friend, find a neighbor kid who doesn't get to do this, and like you did with your, your fishing and the birthday with your son, bring them. There's no cost to this, so bring them. Fill up the car and bring them to this event, and that's exactly what we're trying to do. Wow, and this is just I, in, in the in today's
0: world, you know, we always hear the doom and gloom. Oh, you know the, and in, in the data is at times. If you wanted to immerse yourself in all the 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 news that's not favorable to our future, you could get down in the dumps. And that's another reason why I want people to know that the you can do this. We're we're going to make a difference in the long term future of outdoor uh, enthusiasts by focusing on models that work. Just like you are, and I know I know some people listening are probably like, "Well, great, I that's all wonderful, but I don't have the time." Or you know, this is going to take a full. This is going to be a full time job. If you had to guess, you and your twenty committee members. I I mean, do you guys meet year-round on this, or is it like when you set a date? All right, we're going to start planning three or four months in advance. We're going to meet for an hour each week, and I mean, I know it's your passion, Dean, and uh, that's so remarkable. But uh, how do you get over the intimidation factor or the time, the fear of time? factor you know everyone's our most precious commodity is our time yeah how, uh, how do people realize that you know this is not a full-time job
1: well it's not a full-time job and i, I guess my answer to that is you know how you eat a, a mastodon one bite at a time and <laughs> that, that's uh, that's basically how you do it we don't meet at all we have a wrap-up meeting so our event is the last sunday in august we have a wrap-up meeting in september and try and sandwich around my elk hunt and then uh we don't meet again until probably January or February. We've had two meetings so far this year and we'll go monthly now until probably June. And then we'll go probably every couple weeks for June and July and the first part of August. So I don't know, is that 10, 10 meetings that we meet for an hour or so over lunchtime, usually we do. Um, and then, mm-hmm. you know, people do some work outside of that obviously. Um, but after yeah. you've done a little bit, it, it gets a lot easier. And, the way we've got this modeled, it, it's not nearly as much work as one would think. Um, and I really want to express that to your listeners because somewhere out there, and hopefully there's a lot of them, there is a sporting organization, a conservation club, that it could be a local one or one affiliated with one of the, with one of the majors that is thinking about doing this. Maybe they already have an organ, a, a youth day of some sort or a youth event. Well, here's the model, here's here's how it's pretty easy. I I really like it if you team with another group. That's what we did and it seemed to work very, very well because everybody comes up with some some different resources. And you form this committee and you reach out to uh, what we call activity providers. And so that would be groups like the Boy Scouts, it's right up their line, right? Um, yep. the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. You you help me get them involved. Um, you know the Ducks Unlimited, Pheasants Forever's of the world. All these little ones. So every town around us has a little uh, organization that as a, a local sportsman's club, and you ask them to put on an activity, right? And so hmm. they're in charge. But what I tell people, we have just a few rules: no selling of anything for any reason. You need to tell me if you need electricity, and you need to tell me how much space you need. Other than that, if you need a chair, bring it. If you need something else, bring it. You're on your own. Uh, you you have
0: mastered the art of lowering the hurdles so that people can't say no.
1: Yeah, well, that, and that's what you got to do. But it's not a lot of work for them either. So all of a sudden, they look at you know, and they can go back to their group and say, "Look what we did. We took part in, a, in an event that had 2,000 kids, but we didn't have to do that much work. We just did one little thing." And so everybody shares that it's it's all free to those activity providers, but almost to a single, every, almost every single one of them, they have, they have two things to say after their first event. One is, we'll come better prepared with more people next year, and where do we write the check for next year? Because we're all in. So uh. <laughs> that that is. Uh, Uh, That model has worked really well. Then you go tap the government agencies. So your state game and uh, fish agencies are right there for you. Your game wardens in their job description is public outreach. Well, they can go stand at this booth for for a Sunday afternoon and hit thousands of people. It doesn't get any easier than that. Ah, uh, your yep. your state parks, your wildlife fisheries biologists, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, um, and then the big one for us, and this is what I alluded to earlier about the model uh, expanding beyond just our event, the schools. So we tapped into the schools, and the schools said, "Yeah, we're in." We're, you know, and- and how did you do that,
0: Dean? Because some people worry that you know schools got to be so sanitized in anything they're involved in anymore. You just talk to your school board or did you talk to your school administrators or did you just go to people you knew at the school and
1: said, hey, can we let the world know? Well, it actually helps. My wife is on the school board, so that helped. But I, I, I you <laughs> know, we're a fairly small town. I knew some of these people yeah. and, and I called up the superintendent and said, this is what we got to do. And, and I'm, by the way, half of the kids uh, in your school district are going to, to going to this event. And they're like, we love it. We've heard nothing but good stuff. Let us help on the food. And so they're, they're helping on the food. And what are they doing then? They're promoting some of their programs. You know, their natural archery in the schools program and their trap shooting program and that type of stuff. That's what we want. And that has led to us working more with the schools. And so uh, trail cameras, uh, we've got trail cameras out behind just about every one of our schools. And we're in the process of doing more. And that's a question. Why aren't there trail cameras behind every school in America? Right. And the kids get to see that.
0: Oh, man, that's getting the schools involved because the kids are already there. The schools are looking for a wider diversity of curriculum and activities other than just, you know, back when we were there, it was what reading, writing and arithmetic. Uh, (laughs) So you, you seem to have connected some some things that should be obvious to people like me, but until you put on this list here that you sent me, uh, how important the schools are in helping uh, this and you helping the schools, it never dawned on me. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That, and that's, uh, you know, one of the things we're doing now is we're going to have a meeting here soon with our school and we're going to say, Hey, we're, we we want to raise our whole outdoor education platform in the school district a notch. We want to be best in class. We want area schools to go, how does Alexandria do this? Because they do everything so good. And so these two organizations that I talked about, we want to go in there and fund it or provide expertise or whatever it is. We have a pollinator pot on the school grounds. And uh, we one, one of our teachers wanted some furs. So yep, we'll, we'll fund that for you. We're going to build a dock for uh, the biology teacher to go out and take water samples. And we want to get into those schools and provide that we don't ever want a school teacher to say i wish i could do this but i don't have the resources and so this was perfect moved right there it moved right into the schools and
0: it worked really well what an amazing opportunity i mean you think about how we're trying to introduce more people to the outdoors whether it's in the hunting space, we use the R three programs. Uh, there's so many other ones, you know. In the fishing space, they have the Take a Kid Fishing, um, and it's just all about getting these kids outdoors uh, to understand just just to be introduced to this wild outdoors and, and, and wild being just something other than the TV that captured your son's attention as he was running across to go to the bathroom. Anything that's outdoors is wild in, in some respect. You
1: know, one of the things we've, we've said a lot in our committee is no kid ever remembers their best day of television. Um, but they certainly, <laughs> they certainly re- recommend their, or remember their best day outdoors.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, there's an old John Prine song called "Blow Up Your TV," uh, but I don't know if you if you want to uh, play that to kids because the context is he was in a bar <laughs> in Montreal uh, <laughs> dancing with a oh, stripper. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we won't use that as uh, we might use the statement, but we won't use the song. Let's put it that way. Uh, but no, no one has to quote unquote blow up their TV, um, but. Your point of the memory uh, that a child has of the first fish they caught or the first frog that they held or, you know, whatever it might be, is way more profound
1: than the best commercial they saw that week on TV. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we need to we need to get them experiences because that just draws them in. Once once they have that, and you know, and I've seen the, the light go on in my kids, and I, I can tell you the watershed moment for for at least two of them so far. And my daughter, it was shooting her first deer. I mean, it was one of them classic videos, and and I I did a not so great job of videoing it, but I got the main points. And one of the things that I thought was the most interesting part about it was we got done shooting her deer, which took a long time. And she said, her hands were so cold. My dad, dad, my hands are freezing. My hands are freezing. And I'm like, ah, oh, I guess this is a dad moment. And I pulled up my nice warm shirt and I said, okay, stick them on my belly. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be terrible. She stuck her hands on my belly. And I went, Lauren, your, your hands are, are warm. They're not cold at all. No, dad, they're freezing. I'm like, no, they're on my belly. They're not cold at all. And you know, it was, it was just something with this, with the excitement level. She thought her hands were cold and they weren't. And, and that was her watershed moment.
0: Uh huh. Well, it's every, I, I guess all of us who are parents who've introduced their kids to the outdoors probably have that watershed moment in our head. But the amazing part of what you're doing is you're taking these kids who maybe don't come from that background where they don't have the family member who's going to get them in the outdoors. And as routine as some of this might seem to us who've been doing it forever, I suspect these kids who now get introduced to it, they get to shoot a BB gun or a, you know a bow or whatever. Your event probably is one of those first touchstones, one of those first kind of memorable I... events for them. That has some outdoor content. It is, too. and
1: then the and then the key point is that we need to keep up with those kids. And so one of the things with our model is that we are working with each of the activity providers to provide that next next touch point. So uh, National Wild Turkey Federation has a mentor hunt. Guess where they sign their kids up at our event? The uh, Minnesota Dark House Spearing Association has a I don't know a mentor spe- uh, spearing outing. They sign them up at our event. The Boy Scouts. Um, a lot of them are doing that. So they're, they're able to pick them from our event and they're able to pick the kids they want. As a, as a Pheasants Forever chapter, we did uh, some mentor hunts and we found out that just about every kid that was at a mentor hunt was already a hunter. Well, what's the point of that? That's not my target audience.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so they're, they're looking at this and saying, who are the kids who don't have this opportunity? And how do we get them? Whatever it is, spearfishing or ice fishing or frog catching or you name it. And huh.
1: from the kid's standpoint, wow. you know, it, it's asking a lot of a kid who does not uh, have any experience doing anything to jump from nothing to a mentor hunt. People they don't know. But they go to our yeah. event. They get to try it. They get to talk about it with the person. that They, they get to have a one-on-one conversation with this person. Find out about this this next Step in the activity, and it makes them a lot more comfortable. The parents are more comfortable because we're because we're really bringing in experts into each one of these things. And I, I use the, the Turkey Mentor Hunt as a as a good example. They're experts at it. That's what they do. Right. That's their passion. So the parent and the and the, and the son or daughter get to go talk with them, and it really alleviates a lot of those a lot of those fears. The other thing we're doing is we're doing a next steps booth. And so when when everybody leaves our event, they have to go through the next steps booth. And in that booth, we've got another type A personality that says, hey, how are you doing? What What was your favorite thing today? And the person says, geocaching. I loved it. Oh, here's a map of all the geocache locations in our area. The next person says fishing. Oh, great! Here's the public accesses and the public uh, fishing piers in our area, and so we're giving them that next step. That's a that's a little thing, but it's it's something that ties them into it. It puts something in their hand that they can look at.
0: Yeah, it, it's not just oh, thanks for being here. See you next year. It's now you've planted the seed. That next step part becomes kind of the fertilizer and the water that will let that seed germinate. Yep. And then the our
1: website. And we're still in the process of this. We, we're we're I haven't got this done yet, but uh, we want our website to be the clearinghouse for area activities. So if any one of our activity providers has something going on, they can put it on our website and then, you know, people can go look at it and say, oh yeah, geez, look, here's this, whatever it is, the mountain biking outing or something like that. And that's, you know, that's something that I, I, should, I definitely need to say we, I came this thing from a hook and bullet crowd. That's, that's me. Right. But we're way bigger than that. I don't care what a kid gets interested in, if it's mountain biking or what it is. We've got 45 different activities and we treat them all the same. We want kids to be involved in the outdoors. And if it's not, you know, hunting or fishing, that's okay. Get them in the outdoors. They'll become hunters and fishermen uh, down the road somewhere. Yeah. Yeah.
0: No, I, I I tell people, don't overcomplicate this. These kids just want to go outside, and that's why I use the camping thing as kind of the gateway event to get kids out there. It's, it's easier to do, and maybe it's not an overnight camping thing. Maybe it's just taking them to the local park or the fishing access site or whatever, and you get them out doing something other than the indoor activities that are kind of the fallback of American society anymore. It's, uh, I, my observation has been if you get a kid outside and you do something that is interesting, uh, low pressure, just fun, focus on the fun part of it, you really have opened their eyes up to something that they probably weren't aware of and something that they want to do more of. And they'll start finding their own places yep. and ways it just,
1: to do it. You know, once they do that too, you may start them in camping and then that leads to fishing. And they, you know, then they get a couple buddies who do the fishing and that leads them to hunting or that leads them to mountain biking or, or they're going to find their own interest. We just need to help uh, remove the barriers, remove the hurdles to, to them doing that. And You know, it's it's a little different for people who have not grown up with that. And if you've grown up and you don't do that, it's intimidating. It's it's very intimidating. You know, I've um you know, I'll just take myself for example, is is that I've researched a number of states to to go elk hunting in as a as a do-it-yourself elk hunter. And I'm faced with possibly having to do that this year and and I'm already like, that's intimidating. And I've done it four times. Can you imagine? somebody else who hasn't done that that's a big barrier to participation
0: i mean i was at a thing one time and steve runella uh good guy uh steve and i visit occasionally him being both here in bozeman and he challenged all these state agency people this is what the presentation was to about go buy a turkey license to hunt in your state if you were not a hunter And you could almost see the look on some of the people in the audience of, Oh crap. Yeah. That just buying a license is a hurdle that we've created. That is one of the smaller hurdles, but still for someone who's not exposed to it, like we are so many of the things we take for granted are hurdles that just make it harder and harder and harder. And Uh, For me, it's all about how do we lower hurdles? How do we get people introduced? And the way you do it is you get them introduced by not having hurdles uh, out there that that are the, I guess, challenge or or the obstacle that keeps them from
1: going out and doing the things. Absolutely. Every every hurdle that we can get rid of is just going to be one more kid that's going to be involved. Do, do you get feedback
0: from the parents in this? So you kind of have, what do you call it, the next step? Yeah. Or, or, or something for the kids. You get their feedback. Do you ever get any feedback from the parents that show up
1: there? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, we do. We do it a couple of different ways. We do a pre- and post-event survey, so we get a lot of our data. But we also get a lot of, of talking. I, I try and stand... Um, near that next step spoof as people are, are leaving and and getting feedback. And, and one of the things that I always get is, you know, everywhere I go with my family, it's a hundred dollar bill. I come here for a whole day's worth of, of entertainment and education and it's free and it blows their mind. Um, and a lot of appreciation. We've got people that have been become involved with our committees. And so across America, you know, these, these conservation organization chapters, they're struggling for committee members that's you know we we all are there's a lot of uh competition for people's times well guess what here's an event that has pulled committee members into each one um and like i said we now have a committee of 20 people that we have people come out of the woodwork to be involved with this so that's kind of an offshoot that you know we really didn't see but (laughs) it it's certainly happening yeah um
0: so you were talking about finding another group. So do you, are are you talking about if you're a local rod and gun club finding a, a chapter affiliate of one of the national groups, or are you saying if you're a chapter affiliate of one of the national groups, go find a local rod and gun club or outdoor club or whatever?
1: Any of the above. Um, yes, absolutely. And and the, you can do it. If you're a big chapter, you can do this all by yourself. Um, But I think it's easier because you just have different perspectives, you have different resources, you have different connections within the community and it worked really well for us. So with Pheasants Forever being a national organization, we have some resources that aren't available to the local club, but the local club is really tied in for a long time. We're celebrating our 75th anniversary this year it's, it's got some, some great relationships in the community. And so a number of, uh, different resources, reaching out to businesses. That's a huge thing is getting those local businesses, uh, to, to take part in this event by either running an activity or donate. And that's, that's critical. And then as you, as you progress up that you get, you get to the state level and even the national level and we've done we've been successful certainly on the on the local and the state level and now we're starting to see some success on the national level and that's that's really important for what I would like to do in spreading this model across the country and that's that's really what my passion is is I'd like to see half a dozen of these events in every state there's no reason why there's not
0: so let let's switch gears to that then dean because when you and i were visiting back in minneapolis that's what you kept focusing on is randy i want people to know that this model is not difficult that it's scalable and i'm here to be a resource to anyone who has an interest in doing something similar in their their local area so with, with you being that that generous advocate or that generous uh, person who says look I, I don't want to treat this as a proprietary how, how how would people go about learning what you've done and and I guess making it something that works in their backyard
1: I'm more than happy to share the model that this is not proprietary in in, in any way way shape or form i want people to get out take our model use it improve it get back to me with ideas you know you're going to have to tailor it a little bit to your specific area um but i'm more than happy to work with any group and say this is how we did it this is the this is the model that worked this is how the things that need to be done and i touched on some of them but there's there's certainly a lot of other details that we we'll would be happy to share we'll be happy to share our you know our our um excel spreadsheets and how we track things and our ideas and how we developed our website and you know this is not a competition this is we need to get kids out and and if we did that I mean even if it was a thousand kids and we had you know six of these in a state six thousand you know per per state going through this every year we would start to move the needle on the national level and that's that's what I want to focus on and what I would really like to do with with my program is I would like to provide not only the knowledge and the model of how to do this, I would love to figure out a way to provide some financial assistance. And I I haven't got that nut cracked yet, but, um, what I'd like to do is say, you know, maybe get a national sponsor in there, uh, to, to help us with, you know, we'll provide the t-shirts for you, for the kids, or we'll provide some of the food for you, for the lunches, for the, for the people. Um, something like that, you know, just some way to go, Hey, we'll, we'll invest in you as, as a couple of groups or a group putting on a youth outdoor activity day, we'll invest in you to do that. And that removes a hurdle from them doing it. You know, if, if you can provide some of that, I think so that is, um, I, I, I want to do that. I've got the vision of how to do it. Just haven't got there yet. You no, know? nope. uh,
0: You you know that my invitation is always there when it comes to funding. I'm completely shameless when it comes to going to national companies and saying, you know what, you should write a check for this. In fact, if you don't write a check for this, I don't know that I'm going to be your friend anymore. (laughs) 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 But I I think uh, those kind of things, as weird as this may sound to some, I think finding the funding is always easier. Than finding people with the time and the the passion like you have. Uh, it it gets back to the American conservation in America is built on the backs of volunteers. Now you look at it, our Hunter Ed program, those are all volunteers. All of the conservation groups like the Pheasant Forever group that you're a part of, uh, our Rocky Mountain Oak Foundation that I've always been a part of, it's volunteers that are that are really at the core of that and I, I tell people it's as weird as it might sound finding the money uh, usually is easier than finding those key individuals who have the passion and the time or will make the time because we' we're, we're all really really busy right and what's the old saying if you want something done find the busiest person in town and they'll get it done Yeah.
1: Yeah. And it's, you know, it's not as much work as you'd think because you, because each activity uh, providers doing their own thing, so you've got some logistical coordination of of calling up the place to get portable bathrooms mm-hmm. and and garbage dumpsters out there and 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 making sure the food arrives on Friday and that and that type of stuff. But it's really not as as bad as you think. It's I mean it's not like I'm working twenty hours a week on this, not even close. Um, and mm-hmm. and and then you like I said, you mm-hmm. get people that want to be involved with your group, and that solves part of the problem that you just talked about. Um, One of the things about this event is I think you can't do it uh, halfway. You need to have a a professional event really at all the levels. And so we do a number of things. We have security there. We have a first aid station there. We have people haulers where we've got a tractor that pulls this modified uh, hay rack with safety rails around it. So when people park a long ways away, we, they don't have to walk all the way into the event. Mm-hmm. We've got marketing materials um, and business cards and presentations and flyers. We've got a YouTube channel with our videos on it. Uh, we do our surveys and data collection because if you have a grant that you want to do, we we did get a, uh, a grant from the uh, state of Minnesota to do some stuff. That stuff is very important. We've got emergency response plans. What are we going to do if we've got weather? Um, and then we, we carry that down into the activity providers. The, uh, so we have ATV rides, which is great. It's a great activity. Um, the kids love it. And they get to go and ride in an ATV. And I think they got about a half mile course now that winds in around some stuff. And it always turns to mud if it's a little bit, you know, it's kind of a wet area. It turns to mud and the kids sometimes get mud on them. And the the moms are like, oh, no, you don't want to go on that. You know, you're going to get all muddy. And the kids are like, yes, I'm going on that. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Mom and dad say, I can't do it at home. I'm glad that I can do it here.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but they have headnets for each of their helmets, you know, so that level of professionalism is in everything that you do makes it so much easier. So when you're talking to these groups that are interested in doing an activity or a a business that's interested in donating, it becomes apparent that this is a well thought out professionally run event. And that's, I think that's critical.
0: Yeah. So you sent me the, the metrics, this must be, I'll call it an exit survey of some sort. Um, and it says 94% of the participants between, were between ages five and 12. 98% of these, uh, kids have an interest in more outdoor activities if they were given the opportunity. So that's I mean, if you had any company in America that got a ninety-eight percent, I want more of your product or service, they, they'd make Amazon, Google, and Apple look like punks. Yeah, yeah. I think obviously making a difference in these kids where they say, "Wow, I got a little taste. I want more."
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think if you did a poll, it said, would it be a good idea to get rid of cancer? I don't know that you'd get much more than 90, 98% <laughs> just because of how some people aren't, don't take polls seriously. But yeah, yeah. Um, And then
0: 47% said that the biggest barrier to fishing was lack of opportunity. Not lack of interest, but lack of opportunity.
1: Lack of the opportunity, so there there is an important tie. How do we get these kids out? So they get. We're going to cover that. The stages of awareness, interest, and trial. Right now, they've got it. Now they've got a burning desire to do it. And if mom and dad aren't a fisherman you know what, it's going to die in the vine unless we get them tied into another program. Uh, so Let's Go Fishing is a, a group here. I think it's a local group um, that takes kids out fishing. So we that's why it's incredibly important to get these activity providers in and on board and help them develop uh, their programs. And so we've actually applied for a grant, but we're way overdue on hearing from it. So I don't think we're going to get it. Um, But we want to provide some financial incentive to those groups to say, you know what, develop your, your mentored program and, you know, you you leverage our youth day to do it, but get that next step because we have to have multiple touch points. It's we get them all fired up at our event. No doubt about it. You have an event like this, you're going to get kids fired up but you can't let it die in the vine. You got to take that next step too. And, and you got to, you got to turn them over to the boy scouts or something like that. That's going to have those, those touch points and get them involved with their organization. We always tell the activity providers, we don't, you can't sell anything, but we want you to market you. This is your time to shine right here. We want you to pull our kids. The best thing that can happen is if you come out of here with more kids wanting to be a part of your organization than you ever wanted. That's what our goal is. Wow.
0: I said, <laughs>
1: this is amazing.
0: I mean, it's, it's not that you're just doing this, but you are, you know, all these things you're talking about, you're connecting them to all these activity providers. You're keeping them in the loop. You're, you're doing the things that we always say, these are the challenges and struggles to have a continuing relationship or a continuing interest by these people who these kids self identify as, I love this okay, how do we, how do we keep them engaged? How we, how do we allow them to continue to build their exposure to this thing that they got a taste of it and they found out they'd love it?
1: Yeah. Another one I thought of that I want to do here is a gear library, you know, invest a gear library. So there's another barrier, right? The kid wants to go out and uh, do some geocaching with his mom or dad. Well, the first thing I do is go buy a $200 $200 GPS, yeah. that doesn't feel right. So let's have a gear library with camping equipment and, and fishing equipment and, and that type of stuff. And is it going to get lost and broken? Absolutely. But that's yeah. why you fundraise. You're going to replace it. I can't think of a better use of a sportsman's club's funds than a fishing pole that eventually got broken because it was used so much. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow those are these are all amazing ideas i you know i i have a a come and get it event about every second or third year out at my shop just because i'm overwhelmed with stuff that companies send me and i just gotta (laughs) even with a 30 by 50 shop it's like i got too much of this stuff here as you said that in my mind i'm like why don't i give this to groups that are helping kids you well, know, w- whatever it is that I have, I've got so much stuff. Um, <laughs> and if I'm yeah. thinking that, I'm sure listeners are thinking, yeah, I've got, I got 45 fishing rods. I only need about three. <laughs> or I've got this many tackle boxes. Or I've got life, you know, PFD, life vests. I've got cook stoves. I've the amount of stuff that I have that would be better served being in the hands of some kid who gear is their hurdle in some instances. I'm almost having a feeling of guilt coming over me here that I have way too much stuff and find a way to get it in the hands of these
1: kids. Yeah. Yeah. that That's important. And, and there's probably other ideas out there as well, but you know, it's all about removing those barriers. And I, and I think with our program, you know, we remove, we remove a lot of them and there's still going to be some, and you're not going to have a huge percentage You're not going to get 90% of these kids to buy deer hunting licenses next year. We get that, yeah. but it's, you got to start somewhere. And I think this is really a I don't know how to describe this. I've, I've done a lot of uh, research into the the R3 model and the agencies and that type of stuff, and they're doing great work. Mm-hmm. But one of the things I think that could be done a little better is really, a, uh, and I, I think grassroots kind of gets overused, but I kind of think this is what it is. It's working on a specific project like this and getting local clubs to do this it can be done anywhere and it's it's marketed at the local level and it's done at the local level and we're speaking about you know helping people one-on-one and getting this thing up and running and there's not a lot of bureaucracy. There's not a lot of red tape. You know, the, when a state organization tries to do something, they're they're forced to you know market to the masses, and yep. and uh, it's a state level program. It's really not a local program. And that's what this is. This is something you can do in your town. Uh, and if, again, we said this before, but if it works here, it can work anywhere. Bozeman, Montana should have one of these things. Absolutely. And there's enough, enough, uh, business there to, and local groups to just make this thing awesome. You'll blow our numbers out of the water. And I hope that you do, you know, with that type of stuff.
0: Well, how uh, circling back to where you said you're willing to help anyone who's interested in this idea, um, yeah. How would, how would you, I mean, you guys have a website, right? What is, is that? Yeah. Youth youth Outdoor What's that? Is there information at that website where if people were interested in learning more, they could contact you or your your group? Yep.
1: YouthOutdoorActivityDay.org. We have an email address, which is Y-O-A-D-Alex, A-L-E-X, at gmail.com. Uh, but you can go through our website and org, mm-hmm. and, uh, that'll, that'll, uh, get you in, in contact with us. And, um, so yeah, I would be super willing to do, you know, whatever I can to help someone succeed in this. I would like nothing better to, and we've had some, we've had a, a couple of groups that have came to our event and like, we're in help us. Let's get this thing going. And, and, and they've, they've had some success. They're early in their, in their journey, but, but it. What it is happening? You know, I just typed in "youth outdoor
0: activity day." You, yep, you on my Google search anyhow? You guys came up as the number one thing. Good youth Good. outdoor activity day. Yeah, you guys came. In to, our your website came up as number one. And then one's your Facebook page. And then a whole bunch of other things. It looks like the local Alexandria newspaper, uh, Chamber of Commerce. Oh, and that's,
1: that's something we haven't touched on is the um, uh, publicity and the uh, how do you get the word out. And that is actually... We've kind of figured out how to do that. Um, we work for the local radio station to do a public service announcement. They record it. We send it to a bunch of radio stations in the area. Uh, we do flyers and all that type of stuff. Facebook is very popular. And we're fortunate to have an outstanding local outdoors writer named Eric Morkin, who really helps us by writing pre- and post-event articles on the newspaper. And he even writes for some uh, statewide uh, new- uh, newspapers. So... That That is critical, and, and, and I can help a chapter with that, but that's that works uh, pretty easy. No, well, I just want to make sure that
0: anyone who's interested in reaching out to you to, to either help you or to learn from you because they they want to be that uh, copy-and-paste uh, solution that, that you're dreaming of, uh, that they know that Youth Outdoor Activity Day is what this event is called. And whether you Google it, Facebook it, youtube it whatever it's it's gonna show up and and i it's the other part of this is dean and you've you've said this to me so many times in person and in emails that you really part of your goal of you and your committee is that this can't just be a solution for the alexandria minnesota area We, our goal is we want to make this a solution for other local areas. And I think it's really neat that you talk about local because you and I travel enough. We've been to enough places that we know each local area has its own unique flavors, its own customs and traditions and things that are part of the local culture. Like, you know, in your part of the world, fishing is way bigger than maybe it is in some other places where it's, rafting or skiing or it's camping or hunting or whatever and by making it local the likelihood of it being accepted and these continuing participation uh opportunities are way more likely it just it's by it, by its own nature it's going to have a higher success and conversion rate
1: Yep. And I think that's going to even take care of itself because when you go to the local groups, you know, like you said, we don't have any rafting around here, but you're going to go to the local rafting club and they're going to be like, yeah, we're in absolutely we're in let's you know let's do this and 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 there it's going to have your local flavor right there so the local businesses are going to take care of that as well i mean you're going to have businesses that want to be involved with this like our our mountain biking shop they're like absolutely we're in we're going to run the mountain biking station for you and they do a fantastic job so that that local thing is 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 where it starts and then you know again reach the When you start getting onto the the bigger, you'll get onto the statewide stuff, and and that uh, that is actually pretty easy too. Cool. What am I missing here? Are we just
0: (laughs) the reason I say that is someone's got to be listening to this saying, "Come on, it can't be that easy."
1: Well, I'm not going to say that it's super easy because it does take some effort. You got to go to the local Elks or Lions or American Legion, VFW, and you got to go to their meeting on seven o'clock on Tuesday night, and you got to say, "Hey, this is what we're doing." You give a little presentation, and they turn around and give you a thousand bucks. And 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 you know, we've got tiers for our donations, and this is what you get for a silver sponsor, or gold sponsor, or whatever. And and so you got to develop that type of stuff. So there's some planning involved, but it's really not as hard as you think. And it gets back to, you know, how do you eat a mastodon one bite at a time? You start getting into this, you have your first meeting, you're, you're going to be quite a ways down the road. And then you start picking up some people who want to be involved and then they share the burden. And, and right now we've got so many people that put their shoulder to the wheel that it's not that hard for any one person. And you just need to have someone that's got the vision. And got the energy to just in the and the passion to say, let's do this. This isn't that hard. Them knuckleheads up in Minnesota can do it. We can do it here too, and probably better.
0: <laughs> what is it about us Minnesota people that always got to make fun of ourselves, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, it is
1: what it is. We're there's you know, all it is is a little bit of passion and and uh. A little bit of work, and, and it works pretty good.
0: Yeah. Well, the end result, Dean, is remarkable. And I I got to meet some of your committee members uh, when I was in Minneapolis. There were, do you have like five or six other folks from your committee yeah. who, were, who were there? And every one of them were so excited to talk about this. You could tell that they feel like they were making a difference, and they are. Yeah. Was-
1: yeah. You know, the sense of satisfaction you get from it, and, and I've had a whole bunch of these moments, but I'll share one of them with you. Um, one, did, one year, Ducks Unlimited gave out duck calls, mm-hmm. and I'm sitting there, and I look over at the parking lot, and this guy is driving away in his minivan, and he's got like five kids all blowing on duck calls, <laughs> and he looks over at me, and he smiles, <laughs> and I'm like... <laughs> You're smiling now, but in about three miles, I don't know if that's going to be a smile or not. <laughs>
0: uh, well, I think every aunt or uncle should buy their niece or nephew a duck call for Christmas. Just to, Absolutely. Di- just for the because I say that my sister bought my son one of those little obnoxious sounding choo choo train things when he was two years old that would go around the kitchen floor. Boop, 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 yeah. A kid, absolutely loved that thing. I called my sister. I said, Michelle, uh, someday I'm going to get even with you. I should have bought her kids duck calls
1: now that I think about it. but <laughs> Yeah. One day we had, one, one year we had dog clickers for training, and they gave them out to all the kids. Uh-huh. And uh, one of my buddies, uh, he, he drove him nuts. Well, we <laughs> had about, I don't know, 10 left or whatever. So, it, you know, every once in a while I see his kids, I give them one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of which uh
0: we all know that uh animals whether it's dogs or pack animals or whatever really get kids excited uh do you have any like dog handlers or dog trainers or retrieving or
1: dock jumping things at that at your event uh we do we have dog trainers there Um, we have, uh, uh, some more, uh, swing pools with, you know, like frogs and salamanders and turtles and the kids get to pick them up and touch them. And, and that actually brings me on a really good point because we do have a challenge that we haven't figured out yet. And that is our lines are too long and and lines. lines for, for people waiting to do an activity. It'll be nothing for us to have 50 people in line. And, uh, I even though it's a free event and nobody complains because it's all free and it's all good, I still hate that. That bothers me that people got to sit in line for you know ten or fifteen minutes to take part. Yeah. So one of the keys is is I want to have things that uh, a lot of kids can do. So the one with the with the uh, the great big I don't know it's probably fifteen feet in diameter, three foot deep water with all full of fish. The kids are three deep in that. They, if the parents are sitting there. They can't get their kids away from it. That's a perfect one. There's probably 50, 60 kids that are doing that and all the little swing pools full of turtles and stuff. So, um, do you suspect that for a lot of these kids,
0: this is the first time they've ever touched a fish or a turtle or a frog?
1: Oh, absolutely. Our, our 2019 YouTube video at the one minute 32nd mark has a kid pulling off fish out of this. It's probably, I don't know, eight, 10 pound carp or something. And this, the thing starts flopping and the tail keeps whapping him right in the face and he's just smiling
0: (laughs) 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 because, you know, in today's world, kids are almost taught to fear the unknown and, for me now as an adult with years to look back at it, my fear of the unknowns were quickly overcome by my interaction with the natural world. You just, you you realize that, you know what, this turtle isn't going to bite me. This fish isn't going to, you know, hurt me this because that's just, you know, we have this, this hovering helicopter parenting methodology anymore. And, if it's even the slightest amount of risk, no, don't do that. Don't do that. Well, I, I can just see these kids wading in those little pools, grabbing, you know, trying to hold this ten-pound carp, and just the thought of that kid. Oh, I don't need to be afraid of this. Uh, it's. Yeah. I, I think that in itself. Uh, just you, you think about how a kid now is going to think about this natural world as a place that I don't have to fear and that actually is really fun right there. You've probably that event, that, that one five minute interaction probably has converted that kid to our kind of seeing the lens or seeing the world through a lens like most of us do of, you know what? I don't got to fear. I, I don't have to fear this. This is something that I should embrace. And as they grew up, they're probably going to want more of it. So it's, don't underestimate where those little pivot points will be for these young folks.
1: No, you're, you're absolutely right. And a lot of people don't get exposed to that. So if you look at some of the press that, you know, what, what does the press get on a national level from, from some of the activities we enjoy hunting or something, you know, someone gets shot or killed or something accidentally it's out there. And, and a lot of people have this, this big fear of guns and they come out to our event and they realize Yeah, They're not that bad. It's kind of fun. You know, we get, and I said, we had 292, uh, adults that shot for the first time. Most of them, the vast majority of them were women. And they're like, they came back off the line, smiling, going, maybe this isn't as bad as I was led to believe. So they're getting over that fear and, you know, some familiar familiarity with it is, is critical. They, you know, they just don't get that. Uh, especially when you get into, and we haven't talked about this because, you know, Bozeman is what I would, even though it's a fairly big town, it's pretty rural, right? Yeah. Um, Alexandria is certainly pretty rural, but can you imagine, you know, the, the Minneapolis, Chicago areas, that type of stuff, Denver, what, what have you, they don't have the advantage to hearing the good parts of our type of recreation, the outdoor yeah. recreation they yeah. haven't tried. They've never held that fish before. Yeah. So and that's another thing that we want to do is that we've reached out to some chapters um, and said, you know what? Think about getting a bus, promoting our event. Here's all the materials. And and you guys rent a bus, call it your chapter's outing, and bus kids up to our event. Hardly any work for you. And I really want to do We're working on that in uh, St. Cloud, Minnesota, which is, I don't know hundred thousand people or something, but we're trying to, to work with the police department down there to get a bus that uh, I think Shields is going to pay for to bring kids kind of um, urban kids to, to come to this event. So that's really, really your target audience. Yeah, no doubt.
0: I oh, Dean, this is, <clears throat> this is incredible that you guys are doing this. And I, I got to ask you, So when you started this the first year, maybe it was your second or third year. I don't know. You reached out to me. But uh, when you did start it, what was the thought in your mind? Like, I'm crazy, man. Or was it just, you know what? I'm going to do this because it's that important to me. There, there has to be a few stories of, or points to be taken from how you started this and what you learned along the way to now you feel like, hey, I've got this to the point where it can be duplicated and replicated in any place in America what are the first funny stories of, of you starting this? I mean, did you think at
1: one time, I've lost my mind. Uh, you Going to order t-shirts the second year after really? 540, we ran out of t-shirts, obviously. I think I ordered, I think I ordered three or 400 figuring they would be good for a couple of years. Well, how many did you order the second year? 542 <laughs> kids showed up. How many ordered you order the second year? And I went in and I think I, ordered a thousand t-shirts and we had 1192 kids i missed it again and (laughs) and i'm like why what did we create (laughs) this is a snowball and i i can't get out of the way (laughs) (laughs)
0: Uh, but you're like a lot lot of the amazing volunteers in this country dean where you don't necessarily want to get out of the way you want the snowball to keep rolling and if possible get a little bigger.
1: the other thing that is uh it makes me feel all warm and fuzzy inside the people step up Mm -hmm. the businesses the the you know the organizations and just the people who they hear about this and they're I'm in, I'm in a hundred percent. What, you know, what can I do? And, you know, the dedication and the ideas that they bring. And, you know, some of them are just fantastic ideas that I never would have thought of in a million years. Um, and it, it, it's amazing that how dedicated people can be if they believe in a cause and it really restores your your faith in, in humanity to, to see that, and 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 we need that, especially with, with what's going on now. You know, it's yeah. you know these are good things, and there's we've been lucky; we haven't had any disasters or any real problems. We had one minor security incident, um, but we mm-hmm. don't have issues like that. It's just goodness, and I. I I don't know. People come um, after that day, you know, I, I for for weeks afterward, people, every time they see me in the street, they're like, oh man, that was aw- awesome, you know? And and after <laughs> I've had a lot of them, it's, you know, you, the, the 500th time someone did that, it's still just important to me as the first time.
0: Yeah. Well, I agree with you 100% that even before the whole coronavirus thing we're going through right now, I just feel like Our daily lives are bombarded with so much that is just painful to listen to or painful to watch and uh, corrosive that when you do something that is positive, I think it it has a greater effect. And I think beyond the goal of introducing people to the outdoors like you are, you're just giving them a time and a space and a place in their life where this is just fun. This is just. I need this. I, I just need something that's fun for a while, and I, I don't think we can underestimate the value of that in the times that that we live either.
1: You know, the kids go away from this thing and they're exhausted. You know, they've been I doing don't... stuff all day. Oh, they're exhausted. Free ice cream, you know, and free lunch, and we're running from this one to the next one, and and uh, they they're exhausted and it's, it's fun to see. Cause you know, them parents are going home and after the kids settle down, they probably go to bed earlier. And they're like, wow, what a day didn't cost me a penny. What a day. You know, this was good. Yeah, this yeah. was, we have people that plan their vacations to our area now over, um, because of our events. This is the day we've had really? people come from Canada, New Jersey. Yeah. All over. I mean, they, we have a number of that going on. Cool.
0: Well, Dean, I really appreciate you taking the time to, today to do this, but obviously um, uh, just what you've started and the leadership you've provided. Uh, I always say that conservation and the things we love, I don't care what it is in your life. Without leadership, it really doesn't happen. And and for you and your volunteers to step forward and do it is, you know, it just, it's remarkable. And for you to continue to want to share what you've learned and, and show people how doable this would be in their backyard is even more remarkable. And, uh, I guess I, I just want to make sure that, uh, you know, that, that I know my audience when they're listening to this, they're going to feel that same way. And, uh, whatever you want to leave them with, uh, Let's uh, let's make sure they know. Uh, Youth outdoor outdoor activity day is the Google term they need to get in their mind, so that you can, uh, if you're listening, you can go out and Google that, and you'll find their website, you'll find their YouTube channel, and their Facebook page, and I, I can assure you, folks, that if Dean says I'm willing to help, I'm my experience with Dean is that he's willing to help. He's not just saying that. Is that not a fair statement,
1: Yeah, I I wanna help people do this. I would like I mean, I would love nothing more than to have somebody call me up a year after I help them and say we had X amount of kids come to our event and it was awesome. You know, that's 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 moving the needle and, and I want to I want to give back. I mean, I've had so much fun with hunting and, and fishing you know, with my kids and stuff. My life—it's been awesome, and I want to give that back. I want to make that happen for for other people. So, any anybody, if you just have questions, if you want to bring this up at your next committee meeting, you know, um, give me a call. My number, I think, is on our our website. So, um, you know, let me know. And like I said, we'll share everything we got. There's nothing we're going to give. We'll hold back. We whatever we got, you'll have because. Um, it's like I said, not a competition. We want to get kids involved.
0: Yeah. When is your event this year for the folks was, listening, Minnesota Dakotas area?
1: Uh, last always the last Sunday in August. Um, and I think that's the 27th this year. And that, that was actually a little key. We accidentally did it on a Sunday because the uh, the Alexander Shooting Park, which has been an awesome facility, uh, they couldn't do it on a Saturday. So we did it on a Sunday. And I think that's a key, one of the keys to our numbers because everybody's got something going on on Saturday, but Sunday is still pretty protected. And, uh, that's really helped hmm. us. So.
0: Huh. That's a good tidbit of advice. Just right there. But yeah, you think about, okay, you get little League or you got pop Warner, or you, got, you know, I, my son was a kid is like Saturday was busier than a work day with activities and everyone does their you know the birthday party for the neighbor kid is always on a saturday and
1: huh
0: yeah (laughs) that's an interesting little tidbit you discovered yeah by (laughs) accident (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so you 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 think you'll have 2,500 people
1: there this year i think i'm in order about 2,800 t-shirts for the kids (laughs) and then um about 300 volunteer t-shirts because we give volunteer t-shirts to all the volunteers too. If they're going to come out and do something, that's the activity providers as well as the people that, uh, um, yeah. help with the other stuff. We, we give them a, a nice t-shirt and away we go. But I, I think it'll be 2,800. I'll probably order this
0: year. Guessing. Cool. Well, if someone's listening in their, uh, a committee member or a volunteer for one of the affiliate organizations uh, that are national groups, like in your case, Pheasants Forever. In my case, Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, or you know, Ducks Unlimited, Turkey. Uh, I mean, <laughs> we know there's a ton of them out there. Uh, hopefully, if they're they're wondering about how do I have a youth type event for me and my other groups in my community, get a hold of dean. He's he's kind of got a a playbook and a template here that is going to save you a lot of a lot of struggles or or at least make it e- easier and like more likely to have a much higher success which yeah. if we're going to do this right we we want to make a difference
1: yeah or even an organization itself within a state agency within you know uh that works directly for one of the conservation organizations and they want to share this with their whole chapter or something yeah whatever let's let's share it let's get it done yeah well dean if
0: there's anything more you want to leave the audience with you you have the open mic uh no marital advice this time did we we stop doing that <laughs> we we stopped doing that. Dean, you and I can do that over a cup of coffee or something. Right? And, and uh, given my marital advice is probably not even worth what a, a person pays for it, which is free, uh, I think I probably ought to throttle back on the marital advice. My wife has been hearing all this feedback from listeners when they see her. Hey, did you hear what Randy said about blah, blah, blah? And she'll give me this look like, oh, you're just taking advantage of the fact that you think I don't listen to your podcast. Wow. So I'm kind of throttling the marriage advice back a little bit. Um, I don't,
1: I don't really uh, have. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. I was going to say that I don't, uh, wasn't going to give any marital advice just other than, uh, thanks honey for letting me do all this. And, you know, it takes, take some time away from the family time, but my kids are starting to get involved in stuff too. So, so that's good. Um, no, the biggest thing I you guess what I'd leave with is that uh, I'm still figuring out how I w- how I can provide some financial assistance to other groups that want to start this. And if anybody's got any ideas, um, that's I, I, that's the the biggest thing is is how do we how do we help get these people that want to do one of these events off the ground? And I think that would be a you know we can share the model, but you know helping them with with t-shirts or you know some in kind type of thing or something i think that would be would be huge so yeah, that's about it
0: really. the other good part about this dean is our audience often includes people who are connected in the outdoor space on on the industry side so if they're listening hopefully
1: they'll uh, reach out to you also and thank you randy for you know for doing this i mean the, getting this out is is key, you know, how to getting it out nationwide, you know, your audience is, is going to be fantastic to, you know, plant these seeds with. And so everything that you've done and, and, um, you know, you've helped out from really from the beginning of this thing, I think it was the first year I reached out to you and said, let's play some of your videos in our lunchroom. And, and, um, it's, it's appreciated by, uh, more than just myself, but a lot of people really appreciate that and, and your leadership in this as well
0: well thank you dean that's uh it's why we're doing this right yeah and uh i don't think any of us do it for accolades we do it for the the when you see the minivan full of kids blowing on their duck calls driving out of the parking lot that's the those are the memories we do it for so but well dean thanks so much hope you uh Hope you have a, a good spring and you get through this muddy season. And when uh, when's your fishing season open back there?
1: Uh, about May 10th mm-hmm. ish plus or
0: minus a little bit. Yeah. Well, uh, we don't have a open and close season for our warm water species in Montana, so I can fish walleyes year-round here in Montana. Oh, boy, Wyatt would be all over that. By the way, I got wow. Wyatt to wear some pants the other day that was cold out. <laughs> uh, well folks, thanks for listening. Youth Outdoor Activity Day is what you want to Google and uh get a hold of Dean and uh even if nothing else, drop him a note drop him a note and thank him for all that he's done. Thanks, Dean. All right, thank you.